So how do you do the oral motor exam quickly and effectively? That's what we're talking about today on The Working Therapist. Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Today we are talking about the oral motor exam. And a couple of podcasts ago, I did a podcast on an oral motor toolbox. And so today we're going to actually talk about how to do an oral motor exam, right, during your speech and language evaluations. So let's get started. The first thing is time. Like how much time do you really have in a speech and language assessment to do an oral motor exam? The short answer is not a lot because you're dealing with little people and you have to get a certain amount of information. And I'm not sure about where you are, but our therapists, we have about 60 minutes and that's it. And if you think about the structure of your exam, so you've got 60 minutes. That's from the time you begin to the time you end. Nobody's late right? Everybody's on time. So just let's talk about a perfect world. Everybody's on time. Nobody's late. So you've got about seven to 10 minutes to get that birth history at the beginning. So now you've got about seven minutes at the end to sort of wrap it up, get the patient and the family out the door, explain to them what you want to do. Well, seven to 10 minutes at the end. So now that's 20 minutes right there. If you think about traveling and moving around, right? So now you're down to 40 minutes. And in that 40 minutes, you've got to get speech and language and oral motor. So to do this oral motor exam, the one we're talking about today, we're talking about the basic oral motor exam to get like function, coordination, and strength. You know, the function of the oral motor mechanisms, coordination, and the strength. And that's really it. This is the fast version for you to get that information. So All right, the first thing I would recommend is not to start with an oral motor exam. You need to have the child talk so you can just watch their body. So you need to watch posture. And let me also set this up. Most kids two and three and four, you're not gonna be able to get a good oral motor exam on. What you're gonna really be able to get from two, three and four year olds and really just take out the two year olds, they're a beast of themselves. God bless their little hearts, right? I love two year olds, all about them. But you're not going to get a good oral motor exam from a two-year-old. So let's think about three and up. So for the three and four and five plus kids, you just have to look at posture first. So how is their body? How are they sitting in the chair? How are they sitting on the floor? What does their body look like? So think about your average like five and six-year-old. If they're sitting in a chair, they're probably not going to sit with erect posture, right? Because they've kind of bypassed that a long time ago. But if they're really slumped over, if they're leaning on the chair a lot, if they're leaning over, if they're using other things to support, if they're W-sitting, then you may think that they may have some core weakness. A lot of times kids use that W set even up to four plus to replace their core strength. So if a child's got, so maybe they need a wider base of support to support their core. And if their core is weak, then their oral motor structures and coordination, there could be some weakness associated right there. Cause you know, it's hard to tease out the mouth from all the rest of their body. So if the rest of their body is low tone or weakness, then their mouth may present with the same things. And you'll also hear it in the articulation of the Goldman Frist but first you just need to look at their body. So what is their body doing? That's the beginning of the oral motor exam. The second thing to look at is their face. You want to look at asymmetries. You want to make sure does the right and the left side of the face look the same? Is there any weakness? Is there any sagging? Are they symmetrical? Is the right and left side of the face symmetrical? And is it moving symmetrical? So not just does it look symmetrical, but does it move symmetrical? And does their body move symmetrically? You know, does there is there a right side of weakness, left side of weakness? Are they not using one hand, one leg? You know, that 
that kind of thing all feeds into the oral motor structure. So we want to look at all of that stuff first. So the first thing is you're just looking. Now, how long does that take? 30 seconds? basically, you know, a minute, get really good at it. You're not going to just sit there and stare at them. You're looking at all this as they do their other part of the assessment, right? So that's the first thing you do. The second part of the good oral motor exam is then start looking at lips, cheeks, tongue, and jaw. The first place I usually start is the lips. So just we're going to look at their face. Is it symmetrical? So just look at the lips. So the couple of things that we really want to check off the box in this oral motor exam, and all total, this thing's going to take you about... Mm, five minutes, maybe not even more, but let me back up. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to do your language and your speech testing, right? So if you're doing the language testing and you're doing speech testing, then you're going to do both of those. And then you're going to stick on your oral motor exam kind of towards the end as part of the speech stuff. Number one, you want to just watch them move and move their body and you want to hear them talk so that you can really sort of hone into what to do in the oral motor exam. And two, you're usually probably per the insurance company, you got to get some standardized scores, right? So you need to get all that stuff done. But this oral motor exam can be done in maybe about five minutes, maybe three minutes, you know. But the thing you're going to do is you're going to look at them, see their face, see their posture, all that. And then you're going to start your oral motor exam after you've done your speech and language testing, right? Um, so the first thing you want to do is look at the lips. We want to see if they can move um, forward and backward. And can they first move their lips backward and forward? You know, are they kind of stuck in that frozen position where you see like those big lines beside their mouth between the nose and their lips? Are they kind of look like they're smiling all the time? Because if they do, and look, I'm smiling as I say all this, right? As I'm talking, can you hear that? But you want to see if they're kind of backwards in a smile because if they are, look like they're smiling and happy all the time, that's fine. Maybe they're, they're happy, but probably they're tight right? Probably the muscles in their face are tight. So you're going to get that during your observation. You know, that's part of it. The second thing, so that's part of the, not just the symmetrical thing of looking at the face, that's also looking at the muscles of the face and what the muscles of the face are doing. And if they're back smiling all the time, I mean, maybe they're that happy, right? But I don't know about that. But then may just be the muscles in their face are tight. So that's the first thing to observe. Second thing is we want to see how the lips are moving. So we want to see them do a E and a oo. So I usually say like, okay, let's do E like a monkey and oo like a fish, even though fish don't say oo. So we want to make our monkey sounds, right? So we do E, oo, E, oo. And I try to see if they can move that in kind of an isolation. First, can they do E in isolation with their lips way back? And can they do oo in isolation with their lips way forward, like big pucker, right? I want to see if they can really exaggerate those two. Now, again, let's go back to the age of the child. Three-year-olds, eh, probably you're not getting this. Four-year-olds, you might, but five and up, for sure, you should be able to get that, as long as they're cognitively functioning within like a five-year-old range plus, right? But if they're not, then you may not be able to get this. But I'm talking about typical developing, mostly typical developing, five and plus-year-olds, this is what you're going to be able to get done. So... Um, so you do E in isolation and O in isolation. Most of all these oral motor movements, we're going to always do an isolation first, figure out what they can do and can't do, and then we're going to start to combine them. 
Because isn't that what we do in speech, right? Think about a baby when they're developing their speech sounds. They're going to start with pa 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 ma 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 da 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 da. They're going to start with those sounds in isolation. They're going to start combining all those sounds. Same thing in an oral motor assessment. You want to see if you can do it in isolation and then start to combine them. So E first, let's see if we can get the lips back. And then ooh, move the lips forward. Also, can they imitate you and make eye contact? You're going to learn a lot about this person in this oral motor exam. So, and then I want to see if they can do E ooh and rapid and when i say rapid not really that rapid succession so like e ooh e ooh e ooh five times can they move it back to front back to front back to front five times and i'm going to do it with them you know so i want to give them that visual model so i don't want to just say hey do e ooh and then i don't give them any kind of model because who walks around doing that like nobody Nobody does that. Well, I mean, maybe speech therapists walk around doing that, but like the average individual does not walk around doing that, right? But you know, most little kids, that's why I love kids so much. They like all these funny faces and they think it's fun and cool and so you're good. Now, if you're doing this with a seventh grader, not so much, but I'm not talking about seventh graders. I'm talking about like fifth to middle school because after middle school, you're just gonna get lucky if they move their mouth, right? <laughs> or you're gonna have to do something pretty amazing to get them to do this. But it's still the right exam to do for a middle schooler. It's just, you're, it's not cool anymore. Okay, so now we're got to the E, U, and isolation, right? And then we rapid succession, right? So E, U, E, U, E, U, five times. A lot of times, what you'll see, especially in kids who have great sounds on the Goldman Fristo in isolation or in single words, but in then sentences, they fall apart. You'll see this happen. They can't can do the e u e u back and forth, back and forth five times. They just can't do it. They can't handle that coordination of movement. We're getting ready to see where some other structure is weak, so that prevents them from being able to do that e u e u right. Because they should be able to do that five times. All right. So that's part of the lips. You're assessing lip strength, coordination of movement, and function. You're assessing all of those things with this little bit of thing with the lips. Not to mention eye contact and imitation, right? The next thing you wanna do is see for lips if there's any weakness in the lips. And part of this exam, part of this stuff is just Hayden and through the years and 30 years of doing this. Part of this I've adapted from the Deborah Beckman oral motor assessment stuff. Some of this is Suzanne's Evan Morris. So a lot of this is from just various classes, but then a lot of this is sprinkled in Hayden in here too. So I wanna give credit where credit is due, but a lot of this is that. But you also want to look at the lips to see if um, there's any weakness in just the lip muscles, the orbicularis oris, which is the muscles that go all around in the circle of your lip muscles, basically. So you want to take your finger and push on the top of the lip right there underneath the nose. You also want to push on the side of the top lip and the other side of the top lip. And then you want to do the same for the bottom lip, right in the middle, on the side and the side. And you want to feel with your finger, gloved finger, by the way, if there's any kind of weakness, if they kind of... Um, just does it feel the same? Does it does it feel the same? Is there any kind of weakness? You know, you just want to feel it. So we did the e u e u, and then we felt the lip all over. The next thing we want to do is can they open their mouth wide? Ah, can they close their mouth? So if you got a full like lip range of motion for open lip open mouth posture, and together, right? So those are the lips. Fast, easy, quick, boom, 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 wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. The next thing I want to talk about are the cheeks. So as we do the lips, we are assessing the cheeks, really, right? Because how can you separate the cheeks and the lips? But now we want to focus a little bit on just the cheeks. One of the ways to do that is we want to, again, go back and look at the cheeks. Does the child have very large fat pads? You know, remember, fat pads start to disappear between babies and toddlers around the age of six months is when, I mean, 
most six-month-old babies have big old fat pads, you know, on their cheeks. But really, between six months and two, the child really starts to lose a lot of those fat pads, maybe two and a half. But a five-year-old with big, big, huge cheeks, you wonder about the musculature and about the coordination, the movement, and how much they're speaking and that kind of thing, right? And so a five-year-old, we really wouldn't want to see big, huge fat pads with a five-year-old because the face has started to grow, the muscles in the face are start, have started to develop or have been developing. That's just not typical for a child to have very large large fat pads at age five or plus. Now I'm not talking about a child that's overweight. That's a whole nother situation. I'm talking about kids that are just typical weight and development and that kind of thing. So, but for the cheeks, what we want to assess is number one, what does the face look like? Number two, is there some decreased sensitivity and are the cheeks supporting the rest of the face to move like it needs to move? So the one way is to assess for sensitivity is to feel the inside of the cheek. So you do that by gum massage. So you take your gloved finger, and I'm not talking about putting your finger between the teeth. And all this time of doing therapy, 30 plus years, I have not ever been bit. So I'm just telling you. So I'm not saying to put your hand in between the teeth. You take your finger, gloved finger, and you you run in between the lips and the jaw. So you take your finger and you run, and I'm doing it right now, so it probably is going to sound muffled. But anyway, you run it over the gum all the way to the back of the teeth and then back around the other side. So on the top, over top of the top gum, bottom gum, and then over to the other side. So you just see if they, well, number one, allow you to put your finger in their mouth, in their cheek area, or number two, do they wince? Do they not like it? Is there any kind of issues? How does the cheek feel? Does it feel like real loosey-goosey, not very strong muscles? You know, what does it what does it feel like? And you have to do this a lot, honestly, so you get sort of a sense of normal, right? And what's normal and what's not normal. So Some experience will help you to get your sensation right, but you want to sort of assess, do they allow you to move your finger over top of their gum? So you're just running your hand over top of the gum. So that tells you a lot about the cheeks right there. And if they are oversensitive, if there's some increased sensitivity, decreased sensitivity, increased muscle tone, decreased muscle tone. That's very quick and easy. It takes all of like five seconds. You don't slowly move your finger. I move it pretty fast, but I've done them a lot, so I kind of know what feels like normal or not normal, but you want to do it pretty, pretty, pretty rapidly. Um, Cause it's weird feeling like do that to yourself. Right. And then take your hand out of your mouth. It, it makes the inside of your cheek feel really like, like you want to move your face around a lot. Kind of like when you go to the dentist, you know, and they're all in your mouth and stuff. It's all you can do not to move like your tongue and stuff to wherever the dentist is in your mouth. Right. So the inside of our cheeks are pretty sensitive. So usually after I finish, I want to see kind of what they do with their face, but they normally will move their face around a lot. And then again, you learn sort of a little bit about how they feel about the muscles in the face and the sensitivity. Right. Also, this is when I ask the question, does the child brush their teeth? Do they allow the parents to brush their teeth depending on their age? Do they brush their own? teeth? Will they let them use an electric toothbrush, a plain toothbrush? If you have the option to talk to the parents, usually I talk to them about teeth brushing now to figure out what they will or won't do. A lot of times, and I'm saying more than half the times, the kids that we do oral motor and speech assessments with, well, normally the parents will say, oh, they hate teeth brushing. Oh my gosh, it's a battle every night. They hate for me to brush their teeth. That automatically tells you there's some sensitivity going on. Now, it doesn't mean that speech can't work on it. It doesn't mean it's an automatic OT referral. It could be, depending on the other information I get, but for sure, it's definitely something for me to pay attention to, okay? All right, so that's the cheeks. Fast, quick. So basically, at this point, we've spent all of about mm, four minutes, okay? Because I've been timing us, not really. 
<laughs> All right, so about four minutes though in the real assessment, right? And so now we're gonna assess the jaw. So the best way to assess the jaw and normal jaw function, I've done this podcast before, so go back and listen to jaw assessment. I talk about it in a lot more detail than I'm going to right now. But um, we use a chewy tube and we chew on the right and the left side 20 times on the right, 20 times on the left. It should look like regular jaw excursions, not too wide, not too narrow. Regular jaw excursions, they should be able to keep up that rhythmical with the same amount of movement up and down, up and down 20 times on the right and 20 times on the left on a chewy tube, right? Wherever they stop doing a regular rhythmical movement or if they start jaw lateralization or they start doing that you know, real fast jaw movement, at that number is where you know they had some weakness, right? But they should be able to do 20 on the right, 20 on the left, not kids under five, but 20 on the right, 20 on the left, regular rhythmical jaw excursions and movement, and it should look basically the same. The other thing I do for the jaw is I assess, can they lift their tongue up to the alveolar ridge and open their mouth. So can they open their mouth, ah, and then they don't have to say ah, I'm just doing that for like sound so you understand what I'm doing, ah, and then lift their tongue up to the alveolar ridge. Can they separate their tongue from the jaw? And a lot of times, kids who have trouble with S, R, L cannot. You move their tongue and their jaw together, which would indicate weak jaw movement. It would also indicate potentially a weak tongue movement. So the next thing I do is assess the tongue. So first I just want to look at the tongue. Does it look normal on the right and the left side? Is there like one side hunched up, one side not hunched up? Does the tongue look like bumpy? Does it look smooth? Is there a line down the center of the tongue? You know, um, is there, just what does the tongue look like? So I want to assess that. Can they point their tongue, like make it like, you know, narrow and pointy? Or is it just completely flat and fat? Does it look like their tongue is too big for their mouth? That would indicate low muscle tone. It doesn't mean their tongue is too big for the mouth. It just means maybe it looks too big for the mouth, which would indicate a really, really low toned tongue. So look at that. And can they lift their tongue up to the alveolar ridge and open their mouth? Okay, the next thing I do is I wanna see if they can move their tongue side to side. So I take my gloved finger, put it on their, the outside of their cheek and see if they can move their tongue to the right, touch my finger, and then I move it over to like to the edge of their lips under the left and touch my finger like a snake. You know, so I say, okay, let's make our snake sound. We're not really making a snake sound. We're just making a snake movement, like moving our tongue back and forth. But I just wanna see, can they move it to the right, to the left, right, left. So the same thing we did with the ooh, ee, ooh, ee. I wanna see if we can do it with the tongue. So we're gonna do it in isolation. Move the tongue over to the right, touch my finger, move the tongue over to the left. And now can they move it back and forth? And I usually count them like five, like one, right, left, two, right, left, three, right, left, four, right, left, five, right, left, you know, back and forth. Can they do it five times, back and forth, back and forth? A lot of times what I'll see for weak muscle tones in the tongue is one that can't do it at all or they can't do it in rapid succession, back and forth, back and forth, or they'll start to slide that tongue along the bottom lip and they'll use that jaw to help them move side to side, side to side, right? So a lot of times I'll see all three of those things, which means they just have sort of some poor strength, coordination of movement and functional movement of that tongue, which tells you again, in isolation, they might be great with their sounds, but in rapid speech, coordinated speech and sentences, phrases, that kind of thing, they break down and the articulation goes way down. This That's really what this will tell you. So, you know, if there's feeding issues, that's a whole nother can of worms. But right now I'm just talking about the tongue movement side to side for strength, control, and functional movement, right? Um, so can they move the tongue side to side, side to side, 
five times back and forth in rapid succession. Um, again, I do it with a model because, you know, kids lose. I mean, it's not something you walk around doing, moving your tongue side to side all the time. But I want to see him do it outside the, the mouth, not just inside the cheeks. I want to see him do it outside the mouth so I can really see what that tongue is doing, right? Also, if they can lift, can't lift their tongue to the alveolar ridge or their tongue tip is really tight, like heart-shaped or whatever, then that might be a whole different type frenulum. And there's a whole other podcast on that too, but it has to do more with babies. But rarely, by the time they're five years of age, that's probably been addressed already, if that was even an issue. So that's what you want to test all of those things to see if they can do that as well, right? Now, this is just the quick, fast oral motor assessment during a speech language exam. From any of that, if you see any weaknesses or abnormalities, if they can't do the ooe with the lips, if you notice that they can't do with the jaw, they can't chew on the right and left 20, you know, 20 times on each side with the tongue, if they can't move it back and forth, can't lift up to the alveolar ridge, if there's a lot of sensitivity with the cheeks, or maybe the muscle tone is really weak or really tight, they won't let you get your finger all the way to the back of the jaw and that kind of thing, then that's just more stuff to you to deal with in therapy, right? It just, this is all this is going to do is tell you, hey, these are some red flags or these are some areas to pay attention to. I need to do more of an assessment because really, isn't that what we're doing at first? We're just trying to figure out what is it they can do? What is it they can't do? We're writing a plan of care. And in the course of that plan of care, which is a really a living, breathing document, we're going to go and flesh this thing out, you know? So you're not going to get every single answer there is. There's just no way. It's only a speak moment in time when you're doing this evaluation, but you're going to at least try to get some of the basics so you kind of know what to do next, right? So sometimes I think when we come to do like the oral motor assessment or any of these assessments, we feel like we have to get all the answers. Well, that's, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can do that, but I cannot do that. So I just want to figure out what they can do, what they can't do, why do they need me? What's the impact of what they can't do? How much is it impacting their functional performance, their performance in interacting with peers, their academic performance? And then that come up with why do they need me? Because that's going to be why they need me, right? So with this oral motor assessment, I just want to feel like I just need to know what the strength, the coordination, and the functional movement of the lips, tongue, cheeks, and jaw are so that I can apply that information to the Goldman Fristo and, or if that's the articulation assessment you're using, I know that there's others out there. Anyway, and my clinical assessment of their speech sounds. So then I can put all of that information together to help me come up with maybe what is the real function of their speech and what's happening right? So this is the oral motor assessment. Should take five minutes and it just gives us a little piece of the pie to put with this more formal speech assessment or your clinical speech sounds assessment so that you can come up with the whole plan for speech sounds and what's really causing the problem there. So that's where we're going to stop today. Um, that's the fast oral motor exam. It's quick, fast, gets it done, gives you information to move on to do other things so that you can write the plan of care and move on to the next kiddo, right? That's what we do. All right. Well, look, I thank you for joining me today on the Working Therapist Podcast. This has been so much fun. I love to talk about stuff like this. Thanks everybody for listening. Catch you next time on another episode of the Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of the Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 